Well, aloha, everyone. Um, This is Pastor Jason, and uh, today's podcast is going to be a little different than what we normally do. Um, Obviously, normally we um, will just kind of post our teachings from Wednesday night or from Sunday morning, Um, but uh, we find ourselves, every one of us, in just kind of a unique situation. Obviously, with the coronavirus um, situation, we're all kind of scrambling and trying to figure out how to do things a little bit Uh, differently since um, most of us around the country here are just uh, told to not gather in groups larger than 10, 15 people. And that presents all kinds of challenges, especially for churches. And so uh, like our churches, um, just kind of figuring it out like many others and and kind of trying certain things, different things. Um, For Calvary Chapel, uh, Kauai, North Shore, we're we're kind of suspending our our larger group get-togethers and gatherings for worship just for the time being to do our part, try to squash this coronavirus thing and and all of that, um, which means what we're asking folks to do, along with a lot of other churches, is to just kind of keep our gatherings small in the home and uh, for families and, and friends and just in smaller smaller groups. And um, to me, it's it's kind of an inconvenience, and I don't like not meeting in the bigger group. But on the other hand, it's kind of kind of cool because uh, the Church of Jesus Christ for a long time has has had to just flex with uh, circumstances. Most of the time, it's persecution. Uh, this isn't necessarily persecution, um, uh, but we're you know as a church, we're not confined to brick and mortar, and we're not a building; we're an organism. And so, um, we're just going to flex and and meet in different ways and gather as we can. I'm certain in a couple of weeks we'll be able to resume our our normal way of gathering and all of that. But like I said, uh, like many churches, we're just encouraging folks to meet in a home setting with friends and family. But I wanted to address that a little bit because um, that can be a little bit challenging for some people. Maybe you're not involved in a home group or you don't have uh, you know, some official home group in the church, or you don't have a group of believers that you normally meet with. And, and how do you do a, a home fellowship group? How do you have a little uh, get together? You know, you may not consider yourself a Bible teacher. Or how do you lead and what do you do? And so what I thought I'd do for today is just take maybe 10 or 15 minutes and maybe just give us some tools on on maybe how to practically um, do a little home fellowship. And uh, you might be surprised to discover it's a lot easier and and um, uh, yeah, just easier than you would think, and it's not as complicated as as we would make it out to be. Um, so what I'd like to do is just uh, pray, and then I'm going to look at a text that is familiar to a lot of us, but uh, maybe just hearing it in a new light will will give some uh, handles to how to how to do a, a little home fellowship. For the time being. So let's pray and then um, we're going to share a little bit of scripture. Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the church of Jesus Christ. We thank you that you are on the throne and in charge. And Lord, we, we love you. We thank you that you're sovereign. And Lord, I just want to pray in these trying times, in these um, times of uncertainty, we as the as the body of Christ would put our trust in you and we would hope in you and we wouldn't let these things shake us. And we're going to meet together one way or the other and we're going to be connected uh, because that's just what we do and that's who we are. But we, we just give you this time. I pray you'd help me to encourage the family a little bit here in Jesus' name. Amen. This is kind of weird for me. I'm used to recording these 
not even really knowing I'm recording them as I'm just teaching in the church setting. But now I'm sitting in my room in Hanalei, kind of quarantined involuntarily because uh, there's been so much rain that the bridge has been closed and I'm, I'm kind of forced to stay indoors anyway. But um, here we are. And here's what I wanted to share with us back to the idea of, of having to do smaller groups and home fellowships and things like that. You know, how do you do that? What, what, what does that look like? And I think there's a great biblical model for us um, to, to just encourage these meetings. And so I'm referring to the second chapter of the book of Acts. And starting in verse 42, I just want to read a couple of verses. And I'll give some context. And then we'll look at some of these things that I think will be um, encouraging to you and helpful. So this is Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing their proceeds to everyone as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day who were being saved. So Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Now, the interesting context of this is that where this falls in the history of the church is that this is just on the heels of the birth of the church, where uh, we saw about 120 disciples in the upper room waiting for the the coming upon the baptism of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised um, before they would go out into the world and share the gospel with the world. And as you may remember, there in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit came upon them. They had the tongues of fire above their heads. They're praying in tongues. A huge crowd gathers. And um, Peter steps out onto the lanai or the the porch or whatever it was, and he he just shares the gospel in three thousand people get saved you see there was a huge crowd that had gathered there at the temple mount uh, for the feast of pentecost and so he preaches to that crowd three thousand people respond and are baptized and all of a sudden the church is is born well these people didn't want to go home they were reveling in this new relationship that they had found in christ and it was all making sense and it's all brand new and wonderful and so we're told they're selling their possessions they had kind of a communal living situation there Uh, for a while. But the most telling thing about this passage for me is in in verse 42, where it says they devoted themselves to four things. And I'll I'll, I'll say them quickly now, and we'll go back over them in a few minutes here. But it was the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. And it says they devoted themselves uh, to these things. Now, what's always been fascinating to me is two things. Number one, that they intuitively did these things. Nobody told them to. There wasn't some book for them to read. The book of Acts hadn't been written yet. There was no manuals out there. I believe the Holy Spirit was just um, leading this young group of believers to intuitively do these four things, to get together and have fellowship and, and, and know the Word of God, the teaching, and pray and take communion. It just seemed very natural and organic and the thing to do for them as new believers. But the other side of the coin there is that it says they devoted themselves to these things. And in the original Greek language, the word devoted, it literally means like to continually to devote or devote, devote. 
um, like a double emphasis, meaning they were intentional. They, they didn't just kind of, well, if it works out, we'll do these things. They were absolutely intentional about these things. They saw them as imperatives. You know, it's interesting when you're devoted to anything, whatever it is, sports or, uh, you know, um, art or working out or anything like that. Um, when you devote yourself to certain things, that means you have to do those things, say yes to those things, but it also means you have to say no to other things. And it speaks of prioritizing our time and prioritizing our energy. And this is what they, as the early church, on fire, filled with the Holy Spirit, this is what they um, prioritized and devoted themselves to um, intentionally. And it was these four things. So um, again, before I break down those four things, uh, this is what I believe the Church of Jesus Christ is called to do. These are this is what we do, you know, when as a church when we get together, how we should function. You, you know, you show me a healthy church, and I'll show you a, a church, uh, a, a body of believers that is devoted to the Word of God, prayer, communion, and uh, fellowship. And so, um, there you go. You have an outline. You have an outline. What do we do in our home group? What do we do in our family when we can't go gather with the rest of the body as much as we would want to? Well, well, you can devote yourself um, to these four things. So let's look at those four things quickly. Number one, it says they had devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So at that time, the apostles, you know, the 11 guys that were left, Judas is gone, of course, at this time, they began to just teach all of what Christ did in light of the Old Testament, how he fulfilled all of that, how he is the, um, you know, the, the, the Messiah, he's um, the fulfillment of, the, of all the prophecies, it's all about the new covenant now, and they're, it's all brand new to them, and, and they're teaching them, and they were devoted to that. Now we would be able to say that we have those teachings um, contained in the Bible. We have the Old Testament and the New Testament. We have the canon of Scripture. And so for us, as far as practicality, um, we need to be devoted to the Word of God, the teaching of the Word of God. That has to be, whether you're, I believe, you know, gathering in a huge congregation or gathering in small groups uh, like we are right now, um, the Word of God has to be central because the Word of God is truth. And it's so easy for us to get off on our opinions and what we think and what feels good but we need to be grounded in the truth, the word of God. When Jesus prayed in the great high priestly prayer of John chapter 17, he said, Father, sanctify them through uh, your, your truth. Your word is truth. And so um, there you go, the word of God, um, the Bible. So in your home gathering, your your home group or what have you, maybe just make time. Have somebody, a you know, mom, dad, somebody, um, or just whoever, Pick a passage of scripture and just read it out loud. You know, you don't even have to comment on it very much. You can just read it. Maybe read the whole book of Philippians or James or something like that. Um, another little thing that might be helpful, whenever you're going through the word of God, you basically want to just ask yourself, what does it say contextually? What does it mean? And how does it apply to my life? And I think that's a, a real simple grid to go through. How does this apply to our lives? What does it mean and all that? So, um, Read the Word of God. That's the point, is open the Bible together. The next thing it says is that they uh, were devoted to fellowship. Uh, fellowship's an interesting word. Sometimes you'll hear this in church. Um, you know, it's kind of in our church, 
our Christianese language that we learn, and it's the word koinonia. Maybe you've heard that term before. Basically, that's the Greek word for fellowship, koinonia. It can also be translated uh, communion or participation. And that's, that's the idea. It has this central idea of community, of something that's bringing us all together and we're linked together for, with a certain um, you know, common denominator. For us, our common denominator is Jesus Christ. He is the center of our lives. And the early church, again, intuitively, uh, knew that they just needed to be together, to do life together. It's often been said there's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. You know, people sometimes say, well, I don't need to go to church. Well, I understand what people mean when they say that. Um, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. But I'll tell you this. The, the New Testament, the Bible knows nothing of a Christian outside of the community of believers. We were um, created to be in this community of believers. And when you become a Christian, you are thrust into a family. And sometimes, you know, our family members drive us nuts. And, you know, we drive each other crazy in our, our natural families. And sometimes in the church family, it's like that. But nonetheless, we are called to be together to do life together, to gather together. And so um, here they, they were just um, intuitively and yet in, in um, intuitively, what am I trying to say? Um, intentionally, there it is, meeting together, being doing life together, not just Bible study, but eating together and praying together and, and working things out and encouraging each other and just doing this Christian life together. So they were devoted to that. The next one says, uh, to the breaking of bread. They're devoted to the breaking of bread. This probably has like a double meaning. Um, number one, it, it could very well just mean that they they ate food together. And I'm sure it included that because, um, you know, the early believers were selling everything. Like we said earlier, they were living kind of communally and eating together. But that meant a lot. Having bread, you know, together, eating together was a very intimate thing in that culture. And I'm sure that played into their fellowship just eating a meal together. And for, and for our small groups and our gatherings, this is a great way just to have fellowship is to eat a meal together and talk and just kind of have relationships with one another. Maybe put the, the devices down and turn off the news and just, just uh, talk about life and prayer and, and um, what the Lord's doing in, in our lives together and things like that. So certainly has that meaning, but no doubt it also carries the idea that they were taking communion. They were remembering the Lord in communion like he prescribed for us to take the bread, to take the wine or the juice and do it in remembrance of what Christ did for us on the cross. Man, I, I cannot emphasize enough, in my opinion anyway, as a pastor, as a Christian, how important it is for us to take communion. There's just something wonderful about it. It just... I believe it is more than just a, a, you know, a ritual we go through that there's something special about taking communion when done the right way with the right heart that we just are taken back to that place, the cross where Jesus died for us, where God demonstrates his love for us. And it just sets the dials back in our own heart and puts our focus right back where it needs to be such a blessing, important. And that, you know, this is important too, is that, some people, I think, um, kind of confine communion to only doing it once a month or you have to do it at the church building or have a pastor or a priest 
administer communion. And and really, we don't see that in the Word. I, I believe that you can take communion anytime. That you don't have to have a pastor to serve you communion or some priest or something. Um, I had a situation a few months ago. I had the opportunity to be in Russia, and I was um, in this home church. They had had some persecution, and they were kind of forced to give up their church building, and they were uh, meeting in this uh small apartment in in Spask, Russia. And we had a couple of days of meetings there with them. And it was so fun. It was all crowded together. It felt like the book of Acts. It felt so organic and genuine. It was really cool. But probably my highlight of the whole thing was at the end of our last session there in the last night, um, the pastor of that church and that home church and also the owner of that apartment, uh, brought in a tray with Dixie cups with some juice in it. And we had some bread on the table there. And we just all sang songs and, and took communion together. And just it was just a beautiful, wonderful time. Not only did it um, remind us of Jesus and all he's done for us, but it reminded us of the connection that we had, even though we spoke different languages and different countries that were one in Christ. And so um, just so important to take communion together. So you can do that. You can do that in your home group. You you don't have to have uh, little plastic cups or anything like that. You can just use what you have. And I'm sure done with the right heart, the Lord will honor that for sure. Uh, the last thing it says that they were devoted to was the prayers. You might notice that that, that article there is connected. It says the prayers, probably because um, in their context, the temple was still there. And at the temple there were uh, three times of prayer every single day. And so they would no doubt would, would go um, to the temple for prayer. In fact, in the next chapter of book of Acts, we see um, Peter and John going to the temple to pray. Um, now, of course, we aren't confined to three times a day. I think it's a great practice. If you want to stop and do that three times a day, we, we can pray all the time and anytime we should be praying um, alone in our closet. We can pray in the car on the way to work. We can pray in groups. We can just pray all the time. Um, but for this context, as far as a small group meeting, you know, I would say you have to be devoted to prayer. Just to pray together, pray as a family, pray as uh, friends, um, lift up your needs to the Lord, uh, your thanks to the Lord, your requests, pray for uh, the little stuff, you know, quote unquote, and the big stuff. It's all a little stuff to God, but, um, you know, we're called to pray for our president and our leaders and our country. And we're called to pray for the, um, to send out workers into the harvest, uh, as far as missions and there's needs, there's never a lack of things to pray about. But I sometimes feel like the disciples who said, Lord, teach us to pray. I, uh, sometimes prayer is so simple and other times it seems so complicated. But um, it's been said, and I agree, that the best way to learn to pray is to pray. I mean, you can read a million books on prayer and listen to teachings on prayer. But the best way to pray or to learn how to pray, rather, is to just pray. So join hands or, or maybe in today's climate, don't join hands, but uh, just pray together in your groups and I really believe that that is where the power is found in prayer. So there you have it. There's a four things. Um, they devoted themselves, the early church did, to the apostles' teaching, the word of God, fellowship, community, communion together, uh, the breaking of bread, and prayer. You know, I would throw in there too, and maybe it would fall under prayer or, you know, I don't know where it would fall in, in the list, but um, man, just also 
worship together. I would say, man, if you can sing some songs together, just a cappella, or somebody knows how to play guitar, I think uh, tonight I'm just going to grab my ukulele and going to lead in a couple of songs and, and just keep it fun. But we're going to sing to the Lord and um, have some time like that. So I would encourage that as well. But there you go, you guys. I hope that's helpful, uh, whether you're in a family group, a small group of friends, or what have you. Uh, don't be intimidated by this idea of, oh, no, we, we, we don't have a, you know, we can't meet in a large group. What do we do? And they're wanting us to do small groups. What does that look like? Well, it doesn't have to look like some cookie cutter thing. You know, just I would say try to incorporate these elements where you have the word of God being read out loud. It doesn't even have to be a super deep Bible study, but maybe discuss it, talk about it, read the word, um, be together um, as believers, eat together maybe, and um, maybe uh, include some singing or what have you. Then you can just uh, take communion if you feel that too. Maybe not every time, but once in a while in your groups, take communion. Um, and then definitely set aside some time to pray. You know, another thing I would throw in there is um, if you want to do it on top of what you already do or, or in place of, of reading the word, you know, out loud like that, there's also other teachings you can listen to. We have so many ways to access good teaching um, through podcasts, through YouTube, you know, through all kinds of, of ways, you know, pick a solid Bible teacher uh, that you can trust and that teaches the word verse by verse and and just um, stream that, you know, if you want to. And speaking of podcasts, we're going to try to keep um, our podcast going. Uh, Pastor Steve Rex and I will both be uh, posting uh, teachings on um, Through the Word, this particular podcast and his podcast, which is uh, called Surfing the Word, and you can check that out as well. Well, I hope that's helpful. Four things, four elements to include into your home groups, the word of God, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. And uh, man, I would love to uh, be a fly on the wall and be a part of all these little home groups that are going to be going out. So God bless you guys. And I'm, I'm praying that soon we'll be all be able to get together and uh, gather in our normal uh, context. But until then, uh, God bless you and stay safe and let's be praying. And um, yeah, God bless until next time. And Father, we just pray that you would bless all of the the gatherings, all of the home groups, all of the churches that are kind of dispersing a little bit right now. And God, that we would just keep our eyes upon you. Father, we pray your blessing upon uh, the Church of Jesus Christ. And we do pray right now, Lord, that you would wipe out this coronavirus, that you would bring um, just some relief from that. Lord, you give our government agencies wisdom and you'd just have your sovereign hand over all of this. And we know, Lord, that nothing's out of your control and that we are heading towards the day when you're going to come back for your church. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.